0: Hey there. Welcome to the Refuge Podcast. We're a podcast of Crossroads Community Church here in Nampa, Idaho. And here at the church, we believe in being a place of refuge, transformation, and partnership with God. My name's Charlie. I'm a pastor here at the church. And I'm Scott. And I'm one of the partners here at Crossroads. And today we're talking about sheep. I'm talking about sheep, Scott. Oh, that's that's good. Yeah? Or maybe bad. Oh, gosh. I can't believe you. <laughs> Judah, for a while, everything was bah. It's like the one animal noise he knew. What does a cow say? Bah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> no, we're talking about sheep, and it's kind of interesting, not to ruin you know, Kent's first joke thing, but he's talking about how we think of sheep as really dumb, and they're actually fairly intelligent creatures. They just will follow. They will follow anywhere. And there's a story that he's, he talks about that's really funny about these like 2,000 sheep following one sheep off a cliff, and you're like, man. You know, we think they're stupid, but honestly, humans are a little bit like that, that we will follow people even to very stupid things.
1: We are so like that. Uh, I mean, how many examples can you think of when we have done the, the stupidest things, believed in the oddest, most crazy beliefs, simply because someone told us to? Yeah. We are so like that. Yeah, we are. So we hope you won't feel like sheep
0: if we ask you to keep listening. (laughs) <laughs> and Follow us into this, but uh, we're going to listen to this message um, from Dr. Kent Del Huse, who uh, we really love. He's on staff here as a teacher, and uh, he has some really great stuff to talk to us about in terms of following and who we're following, and so we're excited to listen to that together, and then we'll talk about it.
2: Good morning, Crossroads. Welcome to our church here today, and you online. on Online, we welcome you as well. We see you out there. Uh, But I want to remind you, you're going to have a chance to practice that again in a couple of weeks, church at home, and we're trying to share some of the stories about what people are experiencing to give you some ideas. But yeah, there's things that can happen in your home that can't happen in a big gathering like this, asking questions, interacting, dialoguing, and uh, you don't need to be officially trained. In fact, the Bible says that there's a priesthood of all believers. Do you believe that? We're all empowered to be able to encourage one another with the love of God and with his word. And so... Coming up again, another opportunity. And so, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. Today, we are going to be studying the book of Ephesians. We've been working through this book uh, for a couple of months now, and we're now in chapter five. And so, if you want to know where we're at, chapter five, verses one and two today, you can turn there if you have a Bible. But as you can see on the screen, today's message is called The Art of Imitation. The Art of Imitation, it is an art. Uh, the reality is that imitation matters. The Bible has a lot to say about imitating, specifically imitating Christ and others. And so today we're going to have a challenge from God's word. It was a challenge given from Paul to the people at Ephesus to imitate Jesus. It was Bob Dylan who once declared and saying that we're all going to serve somebody. Everybody's got to serve somebody. So who are you going to serve? Who are you going to imitate? It's an important question. And it matters. Let me tell you why. What you see on the screen is a picture of sheep. You know, Jesus called us sheep. You ever wondered why? It's not because we stink. Hopefully not. It's not because we're dumb. No, sheep are easily lost. And sheep tend to follow other sheep mindlessly. So we are called sheep in Scripture, and what you see is a picture of sheep. There was a story, a true story, that came out of uh, Turkey. In Istanbul, Turkey, a number of years ago, the Associated Press reported that there was a shepherd whose flock went off a cliff, quite literally. And the story goes that there was one rogue sheep that started walking towards the cliff and went off, and all the other 2,000 sheep followed it off the cliff, Almost 500 of the sheep were killed. The other 1,500 survived. You want to know why? Because they had a big, gigantic cotton pillow to fall on. (laughs) True story. So here's the moral. Mom was right. If your friends jump off a cliff, you will too. I guess so, because we're sheep. The reality is that we are all following someone, and it matters because you're going to follow them to a good place or to a bad one, to life or to death? So you have to make a choice. Who are we going to follow? I love what Robert Coleman wrote in a book called "The Master Plan of Evangelism." This is what he said: "The world is desperately seeking someone to follow. That they will follow someone is certain, but will it be a man or a woman who knows the way of Christ? Or will it be someone like themselves leading them only into greater darkness? This is the decisive question of your life. Is he overstating that or is it that important? I think it's that important. I think it is is the decisive question we have to ask ourselves. And it's really a twofold question. Who am I going to follow and who's following me? Your call in the Christian life as a follower of Jesus, if you are today, is to become like Christ, is it not? And therefore, to turn around and help others become like Christ. This is a foundational question for all of us. Indeed, it is a foundational question for Paul. And he basically hits that right here in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. So we spent four chapters talking about who God is, about the nature of Christ. And now we get to talk about what it means for us. How are we going to respond to that? And the answer is we respond by imitating what we've learned. By doing, practicing what we've been reading. So in Ephesians chapter 5, if you have a Bible, you can turn there. If not, you can follow along on the screen But here is what Paul writes in Ephesians 5. He said, Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. Now, we're only going to spend time on these two verses because it's enough. It is a pivotal change in the text where Paul is shifting the attention from all the truths we know about Christ, about the Father, about the Spirit, now to our response, how are we going to live this out? And the challenge he gives to the Ephesian believers is to imitate, imitate, literally, let me call your attention here in the verse, imitate God. And then he says, follow the example of Christ. Now, one of the questions I asked was, why does he basically say the same thing twice? He really does it. See, the first time he says it, he says, follow God. Does anybody have a hard time with doing that? You don't have to raise your hand. That's me. Why could it be hard to follow God? Here's why. God is invisible. Have you tried to follow someone's example who's invisible? It's really hard. What do you do with a God that we cannot see? who doesn't have arms and legs and mouth and ears and eyes, isn't like us in so many ways, is wholly other, and is sovereign and divine and eternal. How do I follow that? Because I'm a finite creature. It's like Paul knows that. It doesn't take away from the fact that, yes, imitate God because he is our God. But he says, how about this one then? Follow the example of Christ. Can you do that? You see, Christ came and lived among us, fully God, fully man. And because of that, he is accessible to us in a way, perhaps, that the Father isn't. We can follow the example of Christ because, well, he lived like us. The Bible says, in all things like us, with all the temptations, all the trials, and all the struggles, but without sin, right? So we can relate to Jesus. That we can't relate to the Father. And so he said, follow the example of Christ. So how do we do that? Well, we're going to talk about that here. In fact, we're going to answer three questions. We're going to talk about the who, the what, and the how of imitation. The who, the what, and the how. So let's start with the who. Who do we imitate? I'm asking you, not a hard question. Anybody paying attention? Christ. Who do we imitate? We imitate Christ. But here's the thing, too. We hear that and we say, Yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I want to be like him. I want to act like him. I want to live like him. But the problem is, Jesus isn't right here with me, He's in heaven. And man, it was 2,000 years ago when He went to the cross, rose from the dead, and then He left. He ascended back to the Father, and he's been there ever since at the right hand of the Father. And yes, I have a personal relationship with him, and he's interceding for me, and he loves me, and he's given me the Holy Spirit to live within me and help me connect with him, but he's in heaven. How can I follow the example of someone that's 2,000 years removed who lives at the right hand of the Father, who's a perfect being? That can also be a struggle, And so, one thing that the scripture gives us is not just the example of Christ, but also the example of his followers. In other words, Christ like examples. It's all about Christ, it's all about following his example, but we don't have as much access, perhaps, to Jesus on a daily basis as we have to maybe our neighbor, or to friends, or to people in our small group, or to family. Other people that are tangibly living and breathing all around us that we have access to. And here's the thing. We all have examples in our lives. Hopefully you do. Christ-like examples. People who aren't like Jesus in the sense of perfection. I used to have a struggle. I'll admit to you. It was this. As a young man, I was frustrated because I wanted to find a mentor. And then I realized I couldn't find anybody who was perfect. I got to find Jesus, and until I find Jesus, I'm not going to stop looking, and I found myself incredibly disappointed, because I got to know somebody, and I started to get mentored by them, and I realized they they had sin in their life. (laughs) Well, that's kind of the way it is. You see, we are all fallen people. We are not perfect. We are very imperfect human beings, and that's part of the reason we can connect to each other. We can relate to one another, because in our fallenness, we're trying to move the same direction trying to follow Jesus, but we screw up. We make mistakes. We sin. We fall. And so the reality is that there are imperfect people around us. And what I came to realize in time is that even imperfect people have Christ-like qualities. Even imperfect people have qualities in them that reflect Jesus. And then I realized the way I find Christ is by having many people in my life who reflect his qualities. Together they're Jesus to me. And so the reality is we also have access to Christ-like examples. So let's talk a little bit about Christ himself. This is interesting. Um, Talking with the staff this week as we're preparing for this message, it struck several of them because they never considered this. And I don't know if you have, but there's a song that we sing. Joyful, joyful, we adore thee. Maybe you know that song. And there's a, a phrase in it that says, Thou our Father, or God our Father, Christ our brother. Have you ever thought about that? Well, here's a question. If Jesus is the Son of God, and you and I have been adopted into the family of God, how does that make us relevant to Jesus? To Jesus, we are his siblings. We're adopted in the family. He's in the family. He brings us in. That makes God our Father and Jesus our brother. But here's the thing. The perfect brother. The perfect brother. In fact, Jesus himself said in Mark chapter 3, these are my brothers and my sisters. And we see it in Romans and in Hebrews in which we are told explicitly that we are brothers and sisters to Christ. So what kind of access does that give us to him? And why is that meaningful? Well, here's an idea. I've talked to a lot of people in this day and age that have a hard time connecting to God as father because they didn't have a good earthly father. They didn't have a good relationship, and so you have to spend a lot of time sort of reteaching what it is to have a good, loving father. But how about this? Maybe if you didn't have a great father, maybe you had a good sibling. Maybe an older brother or sister looked out for you and cared for you. You had a relationship with that person. And so maybe that makes Jesus more accessible to you. He's like this perfect older brother in your life that is able to encourage you and sustain you and strengthen you and challenge you and show you the way for you to follow because he's fully God and fully human. Jesus is our perfect older brother whom we can relate to and follow. So, these two photos are in my office at home. And the one on the left is me and my older brother, John. And uh, you can tell I wanted to be like him because we had the same haircut. <laughs> Remember the bowls? Well, all I can say is this growing up, I, I looked up to my brother, and it was typical. I looked up to my older brother, I wanted to be like him. I admired him. We played together. And so I have the older brother experience. And when I can transfer that to my relationship with Jesus, it helps me appreciate how available he is to me and the role he plays in my life. That he is that perfect brother. And maybe you have an older brother. Maybe you can relate. Maybe you don't, but you can imagine it. You can connect with that. So the other picture is of my two boys, Ethan and Christian, who are here today. And uh, that's in my office. It's one of my favorite photos of them because I just, I love it. And so Christian used to follow his brother around and get dressed up like him. This time as Superman and fly around the house. And so as a little brother, it's fun as a parent to watch my boys, you know, want to be like one another. So the reality is that little brothers, little sisters want to be like their siblings, generally. And what if you had the perfect sibling that could show you the way? And the thing is, you do. You do. You have Christ. And in addition to Christ, you have other people in your life who love Jesus imperfectly, but love him all the same and want to model him to you. Here's something interesting. The Greek word for imitate occurs six times in the New Testament. One of them is here in Ephesians 5 verse 1. The other five, curiously, are not about imitating Christ. They're about imitating other fallen human beings. Christ lovers, people that are imperfect, who set themselves up as examples to say, follow my example as I follow Christ. So it's really interesting that here we're challenged in one place in the New Testament to follow the example of Christ, but in all the other ones, we are pointed to the lives of men and women who follow him. Imperfect people who are committed to following him. For example, Paul who perhaps is the ultimate example of a guy that had some dirty laundry. He had some stuff he was embarrassed. He, he described himself as being the worst of all sinners, didn't he? And yet he held himself, himself up again and again as an example to imitate. Several of the references are to his own life. Imitate me, as it says here in 1 Corinthians, as I imitate Christ. What I love there is Paul's not saying imitate all my foolishness, because I do dumb stuff. He's saying, imitate the things in me that are like Jesus. Follow my lead as I pursue Christ. Learn the things of Jesus that I do well in my life. And I love the fact that he offers himself up because so many times we feel like we cannot offer ourselves up as an example for others to imitate because we're not perfect. Well, I say, welcome to the club. That's sort of the point, isn't it? We're all imperfect human beings in need of grace and forgiveness. And God can use imperfect human beings to do his work. That's us. So don't let your fallibilities, your imperfections prevent you from offering what Christ has done in your life as an example to other people to watch and learn from. And it's okay to say I'm not perfect. I don't have all my stuff together. But there are things about me I hope that Christ is cultivating that are like him. So don't Hold back because you don't have it all together. If you have Christ, you have something to offer. Something to offer others. Paul also says in 1 Thessalonians, imitate both us and the Lord. So here he says, it's Christ and us. In this case, the apostles. Follow our example as we follow the Lord. And then in Philippians, Paul writes, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. Again, he offers himself up as an imperfect person, but somebody who's sold out to Christ and is doing his best to be like him. He says, follow my lead. Come with me. Be like me as I want to be like Christ. And then in Hebrews, we read, remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. I find this very freeing because I know my own mistakes. I know my own frailties. And this verse doesn't say, take into consideration everything they've done and said and follow that. It says, no, think of all the good that has come from their lives. Leave out the bad. The reality is there's things that I've done, I've sinned, I've made mistakes, I've fallen short, and it's refreshing and freeing to know that someone can look at my life and can take the good from it and leave out the bad. And that's an invitation for you in the lives of others to give to others what you have that's Christ-like and let them leave behind what isn't. So I find that very freeing. Here's why we need to do this, folks. According to a national survey I looked at this week, one out of three kids has no mentor. Not a parent, not a sibling, not a friend, not a teacher, not a youth leader. 33% of kids in our country, and perhaps even around the world, don't have a single person in their life that they can imitate. And that's eye-opening right there. We also know, that students need, count them, five trusted, reliable adults in order to imitate. Now, you take mom and dad, that's two. You need three more. In other words, students need other people too. They need to see five people following Jesus to put it all together, like I described, what Christ looks like and how he lives his life. And they can see that In at least five adults. There's a study that found that 72% of kids. And this is interesting. Have a hero who is not a celebrity. Imagine that. I know we think that all the kids always you know. Tend to have a hero that's a, a rock star. Or an athlete. But that's not true. The reality is that three out of four kids. When you ask them who their hero is. It's usually mom and dad. Or it's a brother or sister. Or it's a youth leader. Why? Because as they said in the study, heroes are people we admire because we feel we can imitate them. In other words, someone's a hero because you think you can actually be like them. Somebody out there like a celebrity, you don't feel like you can actually be like them. That's too far out. But your youth leader, your parent, your sibling, your friend, yeah, you can be like them. And that feels more real. So, kids need everyday, normal mentors. You are the hero to your kids. If you have kids, understand you are their hero. So, show them what a hero looks like. Show them what a godly hero looks like. So, here's a couple questions. Number one Do you have Christ like examples in your life? Do you have Christ like examples in your life? And then number two, are you a Christ-like example to others? Are you an example to other people? Think about that. And we'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to plant that in your heart so you can meditate that as we move forward here. I want to show you another picture. So this guy uh, on the right side is actually sitting right over there in the white shirt. That's my father. That's him preaching the word back in 1977. And that's me on the left preaching about 10 years ago, taken out a conference. And uh, someone had pointed out this stark similarities between the two of us and the way that we tend to communicate. And so I want to capture that because my dad has been preaching the word for over 50 years faithfully. He's a pastor before me. He taught me how to be a pastor. He taught me how to preach the word of God showed me and truthfully I wouldn't be sitting here right now doing this I wouldn't be preaching to you if he was a hypocrite if he didn't live out and model Christ to me so I am eternally grateful for 50 years plus of faithful ministry not just in the church but in my home so we all have heroes in our lives and they're real ordinary people and don't un- ever underestimate Not only the people in your life and what they can do with you, but how you influence others. And so let me show you another picture. (laughs) Maybe it's generational. (laughs) So that's me on the right teaching at Grand Canyon University. And then that's my son, Ethan, preaching at his little school. First or second grade, perhaps. (laughs) And so I just was captivated by that because it sort of showed me the, the generations And how as we learn from those who go before us, we pass on to those who come after us. And it has me thinking generationally about where the church is going and about all the younger people coming up and how we are going to influence them. They need heroes. They need mentors. They need those whose lives are imitatable. So what do they need from us? What do we imitate? And this is language we use a lot around here. First, We imitate character. The character of a man or a woman is who they are. It is who you really are. It is the fiber of your being. It is the essence of your life. And then there is competence. This is what one does. So it's about being and about doing. So when we talk about the character of Christ, we're talking about his characteristics. And we're talking about the competence of Christ. We're talking about his actions, his behaviors, his words. And everything we know about Christ can be divided into those two categories. What is true about Jesus' character and what is true about his competence? And we are striving to emulate both of those things. In fact, it was the author of the book himself, Thomas Akempis, In his little book, The Imitation of Christ, when he wrote, If we are to be enlightened and delivered from the blindness of our hearts, then we ought to imitate Christ's life and manners. Not manners like at the dinner table, manners are actions. So you might think of it this way life and lifestyle. In other words, to imitate Christ, you imitate his character and his competence. You imitate who he is and what he does. And now many have said, well, what's more important in following Christ? Is it about being like him or doing like him? And the answer is a question. Which wing of a plane is more important to you? (laughs) Probably both. Exactly. We are called, we are commissioned to imitate Christ. In who we are and what we do. They are both vital and part of us becoming like him. So let me just dig a little bit deeper here. In the Greek language here, the word for imitate is this word "mimetai," And it comes from the root word mimetase, which we get the English word mimic from. You know what the word mimic means, right? It means to copy. To copy somebody else. And quite literally, this word means to mimic or copy someone's characteristics. Their characteristics. The things that make them who they are. The Greek word for follow the example is a different word. And it is peripatete. And the word peripateo means to walk around following someone's behavior. Sort of like a little kid follows around his brother or his sister, following someone's actions, doing what they do, saying what they say, acting like they act. So here is something interesting: ninety-six times the word peripeteo occurs in the New Testament. So here's something: when a word occurs ninety-six times in the New Testament, it's not a conjunction; it's important. So peripateo is a central idea in the New Testament. To walk as Jesus walked means to live as Jesus lived, to model his actions, to do what he does. So let's ask the question. It's important. So then, what are the characteristics and the behavior of Christ? What are the characteristics of Jesus? If you read about him, you would find that he's loving, humble, gentle, selfless, sacrificial. Do you see where I'm going with this? These are descriptions of his character, who he is. And then secondly, what about his behavior? What did Jesus do? How did he treat people? Well, he loved people. He he went to them. He preached the gospel. He healed people. He fed them. He cared for them. He spoke truth to them. He spoke grace to them. These are things Jesus did. These are his behaviors or his competency. And so there's a laundry list of qualities that we can look at and a laundry list of behaviors we can look at that show us who Christ is and what he has done. So there's no excuse for the Christian to know what the example looks like. We know what the example is. It's Jesus. In 1 Peter 2, it gets very explicit. He says very clearly, Peter writes, Jesus is your example. You must follow in his steps. Not beside his steps, not in front of his steps, not behind his steps, but in his steps. In other words, you've got to put his shoes on, or should I say his sandals. Put them on and go where he went. Do what he did. Say what he said. Be who he is. And so here's another little photo I found. That's a photo of uh, um, my favorite shoes a number of years ago. They uh, they became a little bit too unholy to keep wearing. <laughs> little, I had to get rid of them, unfortunately. Those are my favorite shoes. And my wife found a little pair of shoes for our son, Ethan, when he was almost a toddler there. And, and I was so excited and came home and he put them on and we took a little walk together. He literally was walking in my shoes, my son. And I'll tell you what, as a father, there's nothing more gratifying than to See my children, not in a literal sense, but in a truthful sense, walking in my shoes. Following my example. Taking on the good, letting go of the bad. Hopefully seeing Christ in me and trying to live it out. That's what I'm trying to do. So how do we do this? How do we do it? Three ways. Number one, instruction. Study the ways of Jesus. Here's the reality, folks. You can't imitate Jesus if you don't know how he lived. And here's another thing. You're not going to learn about Jesus hearsay. Because quite honestly, the narrative about Jesus out there is not a Jesus of the Bible. It's a a Mr. Rogers Jesus. Or a Santa Claus Jesus. The reality is the way you're going to learn about Jesus is by reading about him in his word specifically the Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you have never read the Gospels, please read the Gospels and look at how he lived. It's called the red letters, the things he said, and the black letters, the things he did. You can look at his life and learn how the Master lived. Learn his ways through instruction. You can do it yourself. You can read his word. It's available. You have access to sermons and podcasts and books and literature and classes. You can go to Bible school. We are so spoiled in the Western world with resources that there's no excuse not to learn the ways of Jesus. So start with that. Learn his ways because you can't imitate something you don't know. And then secondly, apprenticeship. Who are you apprenticing under? Certainly under Jesus. But secondly, what Christ-like examples are you learning from in your life? Who are you apprenticing under? Copy the lives of godly people. Here's the truth. Everybody needs a mentor. At least one. Everybody needs to be discipled. Everybody needs an example to follow. So who is yours? So this can happen in a small group. This can happen in a discipleship group that we offer here at Crossroads. This can happen in the community. This can happen in a one-on-one mentoring relationship, but it is available. And then finally, immersion. Immersion is uh, actually seeking a supportive community. We can't do this by ourselves. We need to do it together. And that's the value of being here. All of us here, One of the things that we gain by being together physically in this place is that we get to see eyeball to eyeball. We get to encourage one another. This is the essence of immersion in a Christian community. And the reality is that we've talked about this. My gift is not for me. My gift is for you. Your gift is not for you. It's for somebody else. We need to share our gifts to be the body of Christ. And we have to be together to do that. And so nothing supplants or replaces Christian community. So I'll tell those of you watching online, we get it. We totally understand and we are fully supportive of you watching a message online and staying home. But I'll tell you what, if you don't have community, you are missing out. You still need the body of Christ. So get into a group. Get together with other Christians. This is why we do church at home. To give you an opportunity to gather together. To experience immersion. Which is to be with other people. So you are inspired and encouraged and held accountable by them. I read recently. and I believe this is true. That you and I are the sum of the five people we spend the most time with. If you think about it. You're going to find out it's true. You are the sum of the five people you spend the most time with. So who do you spend the most time with? Who? You need to spend time with other committed Christ followers that are as committed as you are to being like Christ. We need this. This is how we learn to imitate. And here's the why. Caterpillars. What? (laughs) That's not just any caterpillar. That is called a pine processional caterpillar. Now, This is a special caterpillar. There was a famous French entomologist who did an experiment with these caterpillars because these are the ones you will see out in the forest with long lines, nose to rear, long, long, long lines. They follow each other, hence the processional caterpillar. But in this experiment, this uh, 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 well-known scientist put together this this experiment with a flower pot in which he put pine needles in the middle, which is the favorite food of the pine processional caterpillar. So he filled it up with food, and then he took the caterpillars, and he lined them up on the the rim of the pot. And then he had them walk around, and he wanted to find something out. He wanted to test to see how long it would take them to break ranks and eat the food. That's right next to them. And I kid you not, the experiment, eight days. Those caterpillars went round and round and round and round on that flower pot, and not one of them broke formation to have a snack. Not one of them. And so they entitled the conclusion of this experiment, the death march. (laughs) Why? Because he concluded that they would have kept going and going and going until they starved to death. All the while, life was right at their disposal. The food was right there. Everything that they wanted and needed was right in front of them. But they followed others to their own demise. Is this not the story of our culture? Is that the story of the world we live in? Of all these people following people to their demise and you can see where they're going and you know that there's life right next to them? A God who loves them, that's availed himself and invited them into relationship. So the reality is that we are the stewards of this. We are the ones placed in this culture in this time, in this place to tell them to get food. To break the ranks and follow someone who's true. So, here's your challenge. A series of questions. Who are you following? Who are you following? What are you imitating? And three, how are you emulating? And to emulate means to copy, to do. Ask yourself honestly. Just meditate that. Who are you following? Who are you really following? You might be here and say, I follow Jesus. Really? Really? I just want to ask the question, I mean, do you really follow after him? The Bible says we believe in Jesus, and by believing in his name, we are saved from our sins. But is simply believing in Jesus, the same thing as following hard after him. Seems to be a bit of a distinction in the scriptures about choosing to actually go after him and follow him to be like him. That's the nature of the Christian life. Belief is the beginning. The obedience is going after him. And so for a lot of folks that sit in churches all over the country, quite honestly, they think it's good enough for me just to believe and not to follow. It's not good enough. Maybe today it's time for you to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Go after him. Follow his example. And if not Jesus, then in addition other believers, other Christ followers, what are you imitating and how are you emulating? Uh, Another question would be this. Who is following you? What are you modeling and how are you leading? Who's following your example and what are you modeling to them? How are you leading others? You might be here today and say, I I don't follow anybody. I'm interested in this thing you're talking about. Maybe you're watching online, you're just checking it out. And maybe you don't follow Jesus. Today you could. You could give your life to Jesus and follow him and make him the leader of your life. You can do that. For others of us, maybe it's making a commitment to actually follow after him and start becoming like him. Maybe for others of us, it's time that we become leaders. Time to step up and actually let our lives be an example to other people. I know our students, I know our kids need examples. We've already established that. And there is a call, a clarion call that's gone out to the church that we need more youth leaders and and volunteers in kids ministry. Why? To do this very thing to be models and examples, even imperfectly, of Jesus Christ to our kids. Maybe it's time to step up and do something. Whatever God has for you today, there's a call, there's a challenge to rise up, follow Jesus Christ, imitate Him, and be imitatable to others. Amen?
0: Yeah, Kent did a great job bummed that you didn't get to see this one in person, but we, we've we talked about kind of his notes and stuff. And one of the things that he asks is, who are you following? And you had a, an interesting thought about that as well.
1: Yeah, this is a Christian life right here, isn't it? Who are we following? What are we following? Is it Jesus or is it, I guess, ultimately us? Uh, anything else? And, uh, you know, the, the cost, it, it may be going up. For following Christ, who knows in America? I, I don't. I don't know what the future holds, but it could be. It may not. It, it might. Um, but we need to be prepared, just in case it does. I mean, in China, the cost is sure going up for following Christ, right? I mean, they are really cracking down on uh, Christians in China, uh, and so we just need to be prepared. I, I hope. Uh, I hope the cost doesn't become. on the one hand too costly, but you know, maybe that would be good for our faith if it did, but
0: yeah, it's worth the cost. You know, that's what I think that we have such a hard time, you know, thinking about these, you know, believers in the first century, the cost was high for a lot of them and continued to be high throughout history. And we've had a nice thing in America where it hasn't been very high. Um, But is it worth the cost? And I think part of that is how you're following. And if you're really following Jesus, if you have a relationship, if you're just coming to church and, watching the show and getting some good moral truths, you know, mm-hmm. like that's not worth the cost to me. But if it is this relationship with this Jesus, then then it's definitely worth the cost.
1: Oh, most certainly. It's it's worth any cost uh, that darkness can throw at us.
0: Yeah. One of the things that was really cool, and you and I talked a little bit about this, was this idea of Jesus as our older brother. Uh, what what did you think about that as you heard what Ken was talking about, that that we can oh. think of Jesus as our older brother?
1: Yeah, I love compared uh, Jesus, the older brother. Just thinking about the the older brother and the prodigal son, how he was jealous, envious of the younger brother. Well, God, or, well, Father, I've always served you, but what have I gotten? Uh, but Jesus, as you mentioned, he's the the perfect example of an older brother uh, of love, who who goes out to seek after. Um, yeah, at any cost. Yeah.
0: Yeah. The, the older brother in the story of the prodigal son says, Hey, that's mine. You know,
1: and, uh, the
0: Jesus says, our older brother said, Hey, I want those to be ours. And so I'll go and I'll do whatever I, I just think of, you know, and that's a beautiful image, this idea of the father running to the son. And I think sometimes we use that as an image of, Hey, how we need to turn back to the father. And I think that can be a good thing, but also we need to remember it. And then in our story, God didn't wait on the porch you know, for us to turn back to him, he sent Jesus, you know, he sent Jesus into the pig pen with us. You know, he sent Jesus when we were still living in sin, when that brother was still in the pig pen, Jesus, the older brother came and he rescued us and pulled us out of the pig pen, which is pretty cool. And that's from a, there's a book called prodigal God by Timothy Keller, who's one of my favorites. He's a, an author, a pastor. And, uh, he talks about that, that Jesus is this perfect example of what an older brother should have done. And it's really powerful.
1: Oh, it comes down to, to our level, and yeah, I like that, G- getting in the pig pen with us yeah, and rescuing us from right next to us.
0: Yeah, and what's cool about that to me is, and Kent said this, uh, and I, I thought it was really cool that sometimes we have had a bad experience with a father, and what we need to understand is that father is an is an image that God uses to let us know how much he loves us, and so if you have had a bad father figure. You know, if there's been someone in your life, so when you hear the word father, that doesn't really connect, then maybe this image of Jesus as an older brother will be better. Maybe you had a great older brother, or you had someone who was like an older brother to you. Um, and that can be a powerful way to, for us to recognize that God is, is so many things to us.
1: Yeah. It's very helpful to, to, to think that way if, if the father figure in our life wasn't much of a father figure. Yeah. Uh, even if it's an uncle or a pastor or youth leader or, I mean, neighbor, anybody uh, who just comes down to our level and reaches out to us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's cool. You know, one of the things at the end he talked about was this idea that we learn to be, uh, we learn how to imitate Jesus through uh, instruction, apprenticeship, and um, immersion. And I thought it was interesting. I think we do really well at the instruction. There's lots of great books written by Christian authors. There's lots of teaching. You know, Jim comes and teaches every week. I don't think we do as well with the apprenticeship thing. You know, this idea of, hey, come alongside me and follow me as all, as I follow Christ. And I, and I think that's too bad because I think that's how a lot of people need to learn how to follow Jesus.
1: I totally agree with you. I mean, I, I think that we don't do a good enough job to the fact that right now as I'm sitting here, it's hard for me to even um, consider what a good apprenticeship um in the, in the church would look like and I, I i'm just trying to imagine uh that within the american church or the world church and I, I i can't picture it right now and i totally agree with you that we really need to up our game with apprenticeship
0: yeah and that you know that's that, that idea of christ-like examples you know that that we were we've been given Jesus and His words and His ways, and we've been given the Holy Spirit. But we also need to surround ourselves with Christ like examples. So I'm going to spring this question on you, Scott. Okay. Who were some Christ like examples throughout your life? Who were some people that were maybe apprenticed you, maybe brought you under their wing, and who you learned from and and you imitated as they imitated Christ?
1: Well, the biggest in my life would be my parents. Um, I had a wonderful father figure. Uh, Tremendous father figure who's still following the Lord today, always followed God. Um, and he's to the point where, uh, I feel weird saying this sometimes, but I'll, I'll still say it. Uh, I have to think hard and long uh, to, to, to think of a time when he is sent. Uh, I mean, if someone said, could you think of a time when your father sent? Man... <laughs> I'd have to think hard about it. He's lived such a wonderful holy uh, life. Now he's obviously not perfect, uh, but uh, he was such a, a example of Christ. Uh, That's awesome, man. To me, and um, but you know I've had uh, pastors, I've had uh, professors at Bible college. Uh, I want to. I remember one of my biblical studies professors at Bible college. Tremendous man of God, uh, and and in how he. Uh, not only in his uh, teachings, but just in his character, who he was. And both of those had a huge impact when you put them together for me.
0: That's really cool. Yeah, Um, I I similarly, my dad was a great example, and I've had great professors. One of mine was uh, I was in a worship team with this guy Jake Adams out of Omaha, Nebraska, and he brought me under his wing and uh, gave me a lot of opportunities to lead worship and taught me a lot and and really guided me and helping me kind of find who I was as a worship leader. And, you know, he was a great example because, you know, um, he was kind of that older brother, you know, he was a little bit further down the road, um, but took the time to care about me. And so all of that to say that, you know, Scott and I have been shaped by so many people who have loved us and have shown us what Jesus looks like from our fathers to professors, to people in ministry, and even to today, people I'm following and wanting to be like, and so one of the benefits of being a part of a church is that you don't have to do it by yourself that you don't need to be perfect and that heck we don't even need to be perfect because even though your dad was such a great example you know we both know he wasn't perfect right but what a great example he was and uh so for, for you as you're listening today if you're looking for a body of people who aren't perfect but who are doing their best to follow Jesus we would love to have you join us so thank you for listening and we look forward to seeing you next week